Ah, the Christmas season is here, and welcome to the Code of Man podcast here on the 16th of December, just nine days until Christmas. And of course, Christmas is a good and wonderful thing, but we also want to say today very quickly something you already know, that this season has come on us like a wave. There's the hurry and the rush, the schedule, all the extra events that we've got to be at, school events, church events, work events, family events. And then you add in all of that, the extra errands and expenses that it can bring, the shopping, the buying, the planning, the attending, being here and going there, Christmas cards, Christmas calls, and somehow we're supposed to keep our sanity and stay focused on Jesus? How do we do that? Well, that's why we're here today, we being myself and the old easy target Corey Cantrell. Welcome back to the recording studio. Good to be back in the recording studio. Studio? 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 Ah, You know what? This is what it is. Well, we are without... I know Christmas is practically here, said nine days until it gets here, but I still want to come in and, and, and talk about how we can keep our sanity during the Christmas holiday season because... Man, it's a busy time, and we were just talking about before we started, I just left over from the office over to come over here to record and was talking to my wife. She was asking me about when this certain event was supposed to happen, and it's on this certain day, and I said, yes, it's one of about four things that are trying to collide on that same day, and that's just the, the nature of the beast, as they say. And it's unavoidable, and it doesn't matter how much, um, I can't think of the term I'm thinking of, but preparation or... or how many barriers you try to put to preserve, it's still going to still gonna gonna come, come crashing. Which is why we need to talk about how we can try to preserve the sanity. Because, you know, the song says that it's the most wonderful time of the year, and in so many ways it is and should be. But yet the truth is, for many of us, it's too often it has become the most hectic time of the year. And, uh, you know, like, like we said, some of it's unavoidable, but I think there are things we can do to kind of keep it in place. And i tell you where we can start. We can start with uh, with a joke. All right. I got one by Stephen Wright. You remember him? Stephen Wright. He, he's yes. The guy that told all the kind of just... Like deadpan. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he said, I bought my brother some gift wrap for Christmas. I took it to the gift wrap department and told them to wrap it, but in a different print so he would know when to stop unwrapping. <laughs> It has nothing to do with what we're talking about, but see, we already feel better. You just need the humor. You need the laughter. (laughs) You know who I thought about when I'm reading that, though, who would make a great impersonator of Stephen Wright? None other than our own Private Ryan. Yes. He could definitely do a Stephen Wright impersonation. He would be the epitome of that kind of joke telling. Kind of like the time we were on our way to a certain backpacking trip down in Uwari, and we're riding in the the van headed down, and he says, you know— uh, they've run out of Chick-fil-A sauce. And we're like, really? So yeah, it's a real thing, and people are upset about it. And that line has stuck ever since then. I literally quoted him last night from our undisclosed location. We had Chick-fil-A night, and apparently there is another supply chain shortage. And so the lady at Chick-fil-A told me, we're unable to give you the Chick-fil-A sauce because we're out of it until our truck comes. And so I was telling the, the ladies that were setting everything up, and they were like, what, really? They're out of Chick-fil-A sauce? I said, yeah, it's a real thing, and people are upset about it. 
And Private Ryan's twin sister was standing there, and she just kind of gave me a, a puzzled look to which then I had to explain that, you know. You, you know, could have just ran to, you know, Walmart and picked up a bottle of Chick-fil-A sauce or something. I could have, but then I would have run the risk of being late for setup. And I said, you know what? People will be okay without their Chick-fil-A sauce for one, one month. Yeah, okay. they can get by. I mean, after all, there's only so much you can cram into the Christmas season. Exactly. So let's start out with some positive things. What do you what do you really love about Christmas? I mean, what do, what do, what's big for you and the family? What are you really looking forward to? This is going to sound really strange, but I look forward to getting together with, you know, with the family extended. I I like I like seeing everybody, my siblings that live out of state. They normally make the trek up, and and it's really funny because I look forward to seeing everybody. Then sometimes in the heat of the moment, I'm sick of seeing everybody, and then it's not very long afterwards. I'm like, man, I can't wait till the next, you know, family get together and stuff like that. But that's that's a that's a special time right now in these well, weeks think, ahead. I think that's probably a common experience for most of us. Uh, people listening right now probably understand exactly what you're talking about. Now, not everybody maybe has that experience. I mean, uh, George Burns was the one who said, "Happiness is having a large, loving, caring, close knit family in another city." <laughs> so. There are some that, you know, but uh, anyway, so what about family gatherings, uh, Christmas, getting Christmas parties lined up yet? Actually, no, which is kind of weird for us because normally by now we do, but I don't have any on the horizon. Well, maybe you're already practicing a little bit about what we're talking about today. I suppose. Well, you know, if you, if you say, if you just look at the family gathering and your church events and, you know, which... You know that you get some narrowed down because church events and work events they kind of all fall together. Sure. Um, but but my point was is there's still plenty to do even with that. Uh, I tell you I like the Christmas programs and what's a what's funny is I kind of forgot we just went to our children. Mm-hmm. Um, one of mine and one of yours are in the same class together in school and we went to the program on uh, I don't know one night this week anyway. I had forgotten about going to that last year and how much I enjoyed it last year until we were there this year and they were actually doing it. And I mean, I, I wasn't, I was all for going. I was, uh, you know, I was looking forward to it and knew it'd be a great evening. I, I was really encouraged by being there. Like they do a great job of, I, I believe, I believe God really comes into that, that uh, program and, yes. and meets there. And, for me, I enjoyed this one more this year because you'll remember we weren't able to go last year because that was in the middle of everything being shut down. We had to watch it remotely, and we had to watch it courtesy of live stream. It was 2019 oh. that was the last time that we were able to actually be there in well, no person. No wonder I'd forgotten that. Yeah, and so that that was something that I was really looking forward to because I enjoy getting to go to my children's programs and things like that, especially the holiday ones and stuff, but... You know, throughout the pandemic year, we were unable to go to anything. And so we're having to watch their, you know, Christmas programs and other special events, having to watch them online. And it's not the same. It's not the same as being there live and in person. So that was definitely a, a big blessing to be able to be back in person. Are you big on the Christmas music or have you started getting on the Christmas music this year yet? Yes. I mean, yes. they're nine days out, so I hope. Yes. I, I get really into Christmas music right after Thanksgiving. Okay, and, and man's got to have a mark. That's that's my mark. I'm open to it. But now December first is when 
You know, I, I, I'm good with it after Thanksgiving, but then really starting December 1st, I'm hard and heavy with it. I really, really like it. My children were asking to listen to something the other day, and I was like, listen, y'all need to know, we can listen to this 11 months out of the year, but I'm only into Christmas music in December, so we better enjoy it while we got it, because... Alvin and the Chipmunks. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah that's, that's a go-to. That's a staple in the Cantrell household. Last category on that, you know, favorite things about Christmas. Of course, we started with the most important things, you know, getting with family and all that. But but what about your Christmas movies? I mean, everybody knows your go-to. Oh, yeah. Elf is my go-to. But I also enjoy the uh, the Santa Claus movies with Tim Allen. Mm-hmm. I like I really like all three of those. Um, my children have really gotten to where they like the Home Alone movies. And uh, so those those are fixtures, and the all the different iterations of how the Grinch stole Christmas. There's getting to be a lot of those. There's a pile of them <laughs> now. The one with uh, uh, was it was it wasn't Burl Ives that sang. Who anyhow the hey, the original pro- producer one. people look that up for yeah, us. Yeah, we need a we need a Googler. <laughs> but uh, but that that Grinch that came out I guess in the '60s the '70s that time frame that that's all Boris Karloff. Yeah, he did it. That's didn't who he? it is. Boris Karloff. Yep. Yeah. That one Thanks, is my producer. That's my favorite. How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Yeah, yeah. The real, the original, the original old one. school. Yeah. His heart grew three times larger. Yes. And, and then uh, what's the? Um, is it Santa Claus is coming to town? That's got you know heat miser and cold miser and never seen it. That's another one of those old like night like the claymation. Oh, Christmas movies. I love those. Well, speaking of claymation, last year my my wife and children bought me. Uh, the claymation Christmas special that has the California raisins in it from back in the nineties, wow. early nineties, I guess. That and might, uh, it might even been the eighties. Yeah, it's it's old. It's yeah. old. But anyway, so enough of all that. So Christmas can be a fun time. That's the bottom line. It can be a great time of getting together with family. But here's the problem: this time can also be very opposed. Yes. And when you're seeking to experience the joy of Christmas and you know, the, the joy of just celebrating Jesus and life in Christ and, and kind of, you know, all the things we, we highlight with songs, peace and love and, and joy, and yet we find that that can be very opposed. Have you found some opposition already this year? Yes. One of the things that we tried to do for the first time this year as a family, uh, and we talked about this a couple weeks ago with our Advent episode, but we've been we've been trying to instill some of that each night. We'll take some time reading some different scripture verses, doing some different activities and things like that. And I told my wife right after night number one that, all right, I can already tell I'm going to have to adjust my expectations. Because, you know, in my mind, I had this picture, you know, we're going to be reading scripture. There's going to be this this atmosphere of of solemnness and well I have to remind myself that I have a seven-year-old a four-year-old and a nine-month-old so my son is bouncing off the walls I mean not I mean he's four but you know if I can just contain him well I quickly realize within the first couple of minutes some of those old frustrations like boy you just need to sit down but then I had to contend with that and be like no no no, that's that this is counterproductive to what I'm trying to do so what if he's wallowing around? If he's able, if we're listening, we're doing this together as a family. This is what's well pleasing to the Lord. Us doing this together. My frustration and my attitude that I'm projecting on everything else is affecting nobody else but me. 
until it starts spewing out of me, then it's affecting everybody mm-hmm. else too. So there was some there was some contention there because every night that we've tried to do it, boy, it, it'll start off good and then it never fails. There's there's going to be something that comes up, but it's also provided me an opportunity and a learning point to to address that contention. Just say, hey, this is part of it. Let's adapt and move forward. Yeah, and for us in our household, it's um, there's similar uh, similar thing for me. Uh, on the adjusting of expectation, but we're at a different place in in life. So most of our children are grown. You know, we got a senior in high school, and then we got our seven-year-old, but the rest of them are all adults and one married and, and out of the house. And so it's not so much that we can't keep everybody's attention around it, but for us, it's we can't get everybody there. Right. And, and I just went into it this year and, and told my wife, look, we're just going to, when me and you... And uh, whoever is here in the evening at the right time, we're just going to do it. And we're not going to try to get everybody in here. We're not going to try to wait till everybody's home. We're just going to do it. And to date, uh, I don't know that we've had more than a couple of times that everybody that still lives in our house was there for our you know, evening Advent reading and, and lighting the candle. And But it's been a great practice, and we'll talk more about that when we get into the plan of how to keep this sanity during the Christmas season, but I also wanted to make a point here. It can be opposed, and how is it opposed? It's opposed because we have an adversary. That's always important to remember. And, you know, Satan's got to hate this season. He's got to hate He's got to hate it when we try to focus on Jesus in this season because there's so many things out there to distract us. I mean, we can get caught up in the commercial part. We can get caught up and wrapped around the axles on trying to find all the gifts and the shopping and that frustration builds up. And then, I mean, he's got us. Yep. But he's got to hate the season when we really try to focus in on, you know, lifting up the Lord's name and keeping our hearts focused on Jesus and bringing our family and our friends into that focus also. So there's opposition in so many ways. But there's also, think about this, sometimes I wonder if we're not only opposed but thwarted. And by that, what I mean is we can be opposed by the enemy, but when it comes to the craziness of Christmas and all the stuff that we're trying to do and we want to, okay, I'm going to go do this and I'm going to try this and I'm going to, I'm going to be a part of this, and we get thwarted maybe by God. I mean, I don't know how many times we think about that, but there may be times where God is putting obstacles in the way to try to get us to slow down and realize, hey, you don't actually need to go to all these things or be at all these places or buy all these gifts, and maybe he puts some roadblocks in the way. Yeah, and that's, I think that's a good thing to, to talk about because at least, at least for me, and I would, I would imagine a good population of our listeners would agree with this as well, that's counterintuitive to what we've been taught that God expects of us. You know, we've, we've been kind of taught that God expects us to be go, 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 go you know, burn out for Jesus, you know, just keep it going, keep it going, and come to the end of your life with the wheels knocked off because you just, you gave it all to him. That we see every roadblock and and slowdown point as, okay, that's got to be an attack from the enemy. But sometimes, I, f- I forget which which episode it was that, that you made, you made a statement along these lines, but sometimes the most, the most loving thing that God can do for us is is slow us down or or throw throw a hindrance in but basically how god does that because he loves us to give us that reset or to realign our focus because he has more of our best interest in heart 
than even we do so many times. Yes, and I want to just admit or say that I know it's already late in the season by the time we're bringing this to the podcast discussion. You see, by now, nine days out from Christmas, a lot of folks are just fried already and maybe already having that mindset of, you know, I'm just ready for it to be over. Mm -hmm. But I still believe that, that if we could get some context around what's going on, like these things, that, that, that we have opposition and maybe God's also trying to pull us back a little bit, and then we come up with a plan of how we can maybe tackle the rest of the, the days, and even into New Year's, I think all this would apply, but I think we can kind of still recover some of it and go into this final week with some joy and some anticipation, and we can come out of it better than we went into it. You know, honesty helps. And I think that's critical because this will not work if we're not honest. Mm -hmm. And by that, I mean this. The truth is a lot of us just run headfirst into all of the craziness of the holidays simply because people expect us to do it. They expect us to be there. They expect us to do this. They expect us to buy all the gifts. They expect us to eat all the food. They expect us to not take the time to rest. When inside of us, we're, we're craving that. We need that. We need downtime. But we just tell ourselves, oh, well, just drive on. And, I mean, December 26th, we'll crash and, and recover. And then everybody at that point's like, you know what? I'm so glad this is over. Mm-hmm. That should not be <laughs> the way we wrap up Christmas time. But if we're not honest about it, meaning if we're just going to do what everybody else is expecting of us, we don't have the will to change anything, we're not going to get off the ground with this. Yeah, absolutely. The pressures we put on ourselves, I think, are another way we get opposed. We we kind of want that perfect Christmas to come, and everybody's going to be there this year, you know, and everybody's going to be happy this year, and we're going to gather around the table, and we're going to we're going to worship Jesus, and this year we're we're going to sing hymns together yeah. and read the Christmas story, and we're all going to just feel the love of God, and it's going to be the Norman Rockwell painting come to life, and and. We're gonna have the white Christmas. Yeah, I think it's uh, that is the that is the poster child for unrealistic expectations, which sets us up for disappointments. Yes, because we go into that with with all of these good intentions. Like we we want to think that this is gonna be the year that the entire family gets along. We want to think that this is the year that you know none of the food is over or undercooked. Everything is just splendid, and cheeks are rosy, and everything's just great. But let's be honest. We don't expect perfection any of the other 364 days out of the year. But yet, we we kind of... Well, maybe Thanksgiving we do. May, yeah, maybe then. But I mean, for the most part of the time, we have this built-in understanding that, hey curveballs get thrown at you and you know when something happens it's but we put all of this pressure when it comes to these holiday seasons and then we're we're so haphazard and running ragged and all of this kind of stuff that the day on that then we've got disappointment i can remember i can remember specifically i can't remember if it was three or four years ago we were coming into a holiday season and i was so looking forward to my siblings were going to be in town and we all we're we're board game card game people. We love doing that. I thought, man, this is going to be great. Cassie and Caleb are going to be in town. My brother-in-law is going to be in town, so we're going to have you know all this stuff. We're going to be able to play games. It's going to be wonderful. 
And I remember like 90 minutes into the family festivities, I was ready to choke my brother. My brother-in-law was driving me crazy. My sister was getting on my nerves. All of this was going on. I'm sure I was getting on everybody else's nerves. And I remember thinking, why, why do we even do this? But now as I look back to that exact same holiday, it's not nearly as bad in my, my remembering as I know that it was in the heat of the moment because you end up remembering the good stuff that you look forward to anyways. Well, I guess a great takeaway for that is is that no matter how it feels this year at Christmas, just remind yourself there's goodness in this. Absolutely. Remember that you are not on vacation. Just that whole idea that sometimes we look at the family get-togethers at the holidays as vacation time, but vacation is when you can just let your hair down, kick your shoes off, and just be yourself. And no matter how much we want to recapture our childhood Christmas memories, which I think are a little bit tainted with Mm -hmm. things we forgot or didn't know, we can't have that again because everybody's life has context that they're all bringing into that, that time. Their troubles, they're all, you know, probably you know, fighting the craziness and maybe a little burnout. And, and, but deep down, everybody's excited to be there, and, and we've got to look for the goodness of it. I like these uh, powerful drinks. They're, a, uh, they're made out of, they got Greek yogurt and, and, you know, whatever all ingredients in them. But I like them, pick them up at the store. They're a good quick snack, and uh, they're cold, and especially the one that's got the espresso in it, very tasty, little little mocha flavor. And I remember the first time I bought one of these drinks. And I learned the hard way what not to do. Now, if you were going in the store buying a Pepsi, Coke, whatever, you would know not to shake it up before you open it, right? right. Well, I mean, I'd never had one of these drinks before, and its i am got it in my mind it's like a milk thing. Mm-hmm. And so I get it, and uh, it says, I see on the can, shake well, you know, I read those words. So I'm, you know, sitting in the car, pulling away. I'm shaking this can, you know, real good. I'm popping, you know, beating the bottom of it, getting it all shook up, and then I grab it and twist. And it goes everywhere. <laughs> you know, there's chocolate, espresso, Greek yogurt drink all over the place. So what I missed, a key part of the plan is, on the lid, which I didn't look at, it actually says that you're first supposed to twist the lid and release the pressure, then close it back and shake it up. Well, I missed a key part of that. I missed the release the pressure part. So... To me, that's a reminder of exactly what we do when we talk about a plan going into the holiday or going into the Christmas gathering next week. We need a plan that's going to release the pressure off of us because ultimately what we're after and what God wants for us is for this to be a holy season. And a holy season is a wholeness season. By that, it's just what I said earlier. It's where we come out of it better than we went into it But to do that requires some deliberate action. So what I want to do, I want to read a passage from Philippians chapter 4 and then just draw out what I believe are four key components to a seasonal sanity plan. Just four simple words that that will support some immensely helpful ideas and we can just kind of go back and forth a little bit on how we apply this. And to the listener, if you can write down just these four simple words and then kind of build your own plan around it, put your own context into it. So here we go, Philippians chapter 4. Now, Paul, this isn't a, quote, Christmas passage by any means, but there's definitely some help in this. He says, Philippians 4, verses 5 through 7, Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication 
with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God, and the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And in this passage, and, and really the verses surrounding it before and after, I mean, we can draw from all of that, but there's four, four things that I really sense here that will help us. And, and it begins with just what Paul says, let your moderation, that word and that idea and that practice, that discipline, if you want to use the D word, kind of covers all of this. The word moderation, it, it means your ability to pursue only what is appropriate. Appropriate responses, appropriate attention. What are you giving yourself to? What are you giving your time to, your attention to? Paul says, let moderation guide you in all of this. So that's the underlying theme here. Let your moderation be known unto all men. Now, here's the first word, all right? It's the word pace, the pace. What is the pace of our holiday season so far, but what's the pace going to be from today moving forward? Paul says be careful for nothing. Now, literally, don't be anxious. Don't be stressed out. Don't be, don't be frazzled. You know, by the time you get to Christmas Day, don't, don't, don't be pulling your hair out and everybody else's hair out. So pace, it, it's very important. We've got to decide up front, and again, I know it's we're on the doorstep of Christmas Day, right? But what sort of pace are we going to keep over the next week? We have to make a decision about that. And I can't decide that for you and you can't for me, but we, with God's help, have to decide what's our pace going to be. Think about all the things that you could do. Right, just name what are all the things we can do at Christmas time. We've already named some family gatherings and you know work parties and school programs. But I was thinking about tree lighting ceremonies, yeah. the light shows. Mm -hmm. You know, we did that. I we we've driven around through a couple of neighborhoods. Just not not the big, you know. Hey, on this day and this day, you can come to the big light show. But right, you know, we just kind of went at our own pace, small little housing areas, and just drove around looking at lights. But, I mean, you can try to hit everything, and, man, you're going to be burnt out pretty fast. Yeah, and I think, as I was thinking with Pace, some people would say, but, man, you don't understand the, the tree lighting ceremony in our hometown. That's a family tradition. That's something we cherish. Wonderful. The, the light display, that's something we do every year. That's fantastic. Cherish those family traditions. But I think what gets so many people in trouble is that I see your family tradition, and I say, oh, man, that sounds, that sounds awesome. All right, mm -hmm. you know what? We're going to make that a family tradition for us. And then I see so-and-so's family tradition. Oh, man, that seems great. You know, we're going to make that a family tradition. And now, all of a sudden, I've diluted my own cherished family traditions because I'm trying to do everything else. Hey, just, just dial back. Find out what, for you and your family, are actually those things that you cherish— and then prioritize them, enjoy them, have a ball with them, but don't feel like in order for the Christmas season to be special, you've got to do every tradition because then you're not going to enjoy anything. It's kind of that keeping up with the Joneses kind mm -hmm. of thing because stuff looks great and it looks beautiful, and, man, that would be a great thing. But I'm repeating everything you said here, but I like the word diluted too because then all of a sudden I, I got so much going on just – that we only have the capacity to handle so much. I mean, literally, if you just look at the Advent season, four weeks leading up to Christmas, you got 28 days to, do we want to cram all this in? Because on top of the stuff that we will plan ourselves, 
you're going to have the stuff that other people are planning for you. And it's and it's amazing how, like you're saying, all those little things add up. And so then you now instead of looking forward to going to the party, now you're dreading it because you're like, all right, now I got to supply more cookies. Now I got to supply more gifts. Now I got to do this, that, or the other. And so rather than going and being festive, you're being obligated. And I don't know anybody that enjoys being obligated to do anything. Right. That automatically puts you in a negative spirit. So we have to prioritize, and we then we plan it, and we we know what our pace is. And and I think you you know hey look you're going to figure you got to figure this out as you go along. And I want to say one other thing about this. Some people really get energized by the going, mm-hmm. and this part of it's not so much of a problem for them. But I want to say this to the listener. You may be one of the people that's energized by the going, but remember, not everybody in your family is. And so you have to talk about all this and bring some balance into it so that, that everybody actually gets a chance to, for their heart to be well and, and not get overdone. Even, even here at the Undisclosed location, we've cut out some of our scheduled events yep. to, to facilitate and model this. And I tell you one thing, we were talking the other day, as soon as you cut something out, you watch how quickly something will come to fill it. Yep. And it, it'll, it'll happen every time. So it's either going to be something good and you, you take it, or it's going to be something you have to say, well, I'm sorry. No, we, we've, we're taking that time off. Yep. So pace is, is something that I think helps with our plan. Let me give you the second word. Because Paul says, in everything by prayer and supplication. I want to highlight prayer as a standalone part of the plan. And the reason I say it that way is because in a moment we're going to talk about just our, our spiritual practices in general. But this one, prayer, is absolutely essential as a standalone. We need to learn how to pray about everything. And I mean we. I'm talking about you and me right here. Yep. We've got to learn this because I'm getting better and better at this, but I'm still not I haven't got this down perfect yet. But do we take time to ask Jesus what he wants us to do? And back to that honesty thing, sometimes we don't because... We don't want to venture into the whole nest of yellow jackets that it will become when we say, you know what, we're not coming to that this year. Yeah, it's just we just think to ourselves, it's it's just easier. Just let's just go, let's just go. But do we really? Do we even ask the Lord if He wants us to go? And uh, I think most of the time we don't. We just do what's expected of us. Yeah, and I think to this point, for me, the awareness of just how much I don't ask Jesus. Is, is starting to come more and more to, to the front of my mind. And I guess what I mean by that is, if you were to have asked me a few years ago, hey, do you ask Jesus what he wants you to do in your life? I would say, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I pray and I seek his will. You know, I want to know what he wants me to do. But it's only been recently that I've understood the small things. We had a lady that we used to go to church with years ago, and I remember hearing my dad telling me this from the time that I was a very small boy all the way up. And I always heard it as a child and thought, okay, yeah, that's cool, but I think that's kind of a little overkill. But now I'm understanding it more. She said, you know, she was a seamstress. She, she would sew a lot of things. She would say, hey, if I'm getting ready to, to thread a needle, I'll stop and, and ask, you know, Jesus, this would really be great if you would help me get this thread through this needle so that I can go and... She said, and she said, and I, I pray about small stuff like that. And I thought, okay, yeah, you know, that's cute, but does Jesus really care about, you know, how long it takes you to thread that needle? Well, now what I'm learning is not so much that he 
quote unquote cares about how long it takes you to thread that needle, but he cares about being a part of every step and every moment of your day. And so that act of discipline of bringing him into what really seems like a an insignificant task is actually disciplining your soul and your heart to come to him over everything. So to the prayer point, I wish I could say that that I was getting better at it, but I think the thing that I'm becoming aware of is I'm becoming aware of just how much better I need to get at it. Uh, yes, he, he cares about your heart, and he cares about what the madness of the season yeah. can do to your heart or what the joy of the season can do to your heart. And so when we're doing things that are just kind of uh, you know, just pressing us down and burdening us and make we're just obligated. Yeah, he cares about that. So when we invite his word into what we're doing and his guidance, I mean, he's the shepherd of our soul. Yes. He's going to offer that. He's going to give it. And and to something I think I said not long ago, I don't remember when, but we've we've got to remove the limitations on how we hear from him. You know, some people just say, well, I prayed about it, and I've been reading my Bible, and I ain't got a verse. Well, You've limited. You've yep. limited him to only giving you a verse. Now, that's great to get a verse from God. Many answers to prayer have come in my life from a Scripture verse. Many assurances come from a Scripture verse. But sometimes it's the voice of another person speaking that God speaks through into your life. Sometimes it comes from a billboard sign. <laughs> I'm still remembering the Hope is Not Canceled billboard sign I saw back a few months ago. But uh, we've just got to be willing to listen and pray about everything and pray in everything, by the way, when you're ready to choke your brother at the Christmas family <laughs> gathering, that's a good time to pray. Absolutely. And 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 just, you know, not only say in Jesus, should we go to this event? And, and I think, look, I think the Lord wants us to meet with our family, but I mean, don't take anything for granted. But I, I would guess, you know, and I'm just using very gener, general language here, but, you know, 99 times out of 100, he's probably going to say, yeah, go be with your family. I mean, I don't know what the numbers would be, but there, there's a chance that there's some event that would seem so obvious, well, of course I need to be there, that he might would say, no, actually, you don't need to be there. And, you know, a lot of times we don't understand when we ask God and he does put those roadblocks up or he answers and says, don't do that, we may not understand why, but then, then – in the moment or after the fact, we're like, oh, man, this was great. If I'd have gone there, I would have missed this. You know, So pray about everything. Pray in everything. And even you know, there comes a time in the event where you may need to go ahead and just leave. Yeah. You know? I mean, you can only take so much, right? So start now, friends. Start now praying about everything. You know what you've got on the calendar over the next nine days. Ask the Lord, do I need to be in all that? So pace. Prayer, these go hand in hand. There's the third word, practices, practices. Now, Paul, in this passage, mentions a number of things. Obviously, he's mentioned prayer. He talks about the things that you're to think on or meditate on. He talks about offering thanksgiving, which is the practice of worship. So he says, basically, or basically what I want to say with that is, is simply this. In the busiest times of our lives... Often the first thing to get lost or laid aside are the spiritual practices that we do on a daily basis that actually keep us close to God. For example, I know for you, uh, you you'll travel some at Christmas time, and we used to do this, but now not so much because we're close enough. But you'll travel sometimes and maybe go off out of state, and you'll spend a couple of nights at somebody's house for a holiday. And if you're staying somewhere else, how easy is it 
yes. for your routine to be disrupted, you know, yep. and you don't get up and spend that time in your your normal morning prayer time, your normal Bible reading. I mean, it starts slipping away. Yep, because you'll get up and you'll be like, hey, you know what? I, I'm still just going to slide out. And then there's somebody that would be in your quote-unquote spot, mm-hmm. you know, like, all right, I normally go to the kitchen, so I'm going to slip on down here in the kitchen. And then you're like, what on earth are, are you doing Why here? Why are you up so early of all times? Yeah, you know, what What are you doing here? Or, you know, maybe you find out that your spot is the same spot as somebody else's, and they beat you to the spot. And so now you're like, okay, I'll go somewhere. And it's just there's just that distance, and then you have to spend that time getting back into a habit that you spent the time to build to begin with. But. Yep, and we let those things go, and I think, I think we— we might think maybe subconsciously or maybe we remember having thoughts like this, but we think, well, I'll get back to it yep. afterwards. The problem is, is by letting that go, even if it's for the week or uh, three days or two days, by letting those things go, what happens is our soul begins to drift. Mm-hmm. Because we absolutely have to stay, I mean, walking close to Jesus takes effort. Yes, and when we stop doing the things that keep us close to Him, even for a couple of days, we're gonna we're gonna see that drift. And when when we drift, then all of a sudden, all the pressure is that much harder to contend with. So um, we've mentioned prayer already, but what are the practices that that we are doing or could be doing that would that would keep us close to God that we don't want to lose? So you know, again, morning prayer and Bible reading are important. You know, solitude can be something that's lost now. Again, not everybody thrives as much on solitude, just like not everybody thrives on being at all the family, go, go, go. But it can be hard to keep that solitude when you are around people all the time during this season. What are some things that you do that you would say are typically that typically keep you close to the Lord during any given day? Talk about not necessarily even just holiday. Yeah, just just the general practices. I I have really, really, really been working on being intentional when I'm listening to music, I, I love I love having music on in the car. A lot of times, even at the house, but a lot of times it's just background noise. Mm-hmm. And so I've really, really been trying hard to okay, I'm going to focus in on on what is being sung, and make that as if okay, as I'm hearing these words, I'm offering this up as well. And what I've begun noticing is is that that is very good for for repairing frustrations in my soul because sometimes it'll be something as simple as I'll be aggravated and somebody will need something from the store. We live like three minutes from a Dollar General, which apparently everybody in the East Coast lives three minutes from a Dollar General because they're everywhere now. But even sometimes just something as simple as I'm going to hop in the car, just those few minutes to be able to be by myself, maybe listen to one song and all right, I'm going to listen to this on fo- on purpose, that by the time that I get back, I feel much better equipped to re-engage with everyone because I've had just a little bit of time to for the Lord to maybe mention something of something I need to work on or mm-hmm. even just a reminder that this is why these things are happening and that has proved crucial just taking those little pause breaks out of all the stuff that's going on to allow space for God to come back into our moment and into our day and into our event those are things that we should practice every day, but how easily easily that could be lost with all the additional stuff yes. going on. And, you know, on the music scene, 
I think, you know, music is a critical part of every believer's life. You know, we, I mean, biblically, it's just foundational to worship and expressing our love for God. But, you know, this time of year, man, everybody's playing Christmas music, but Mm -hmm. the Christmas music is not really Christmas music. It's not the worship of Christ. You know, it's Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer and Feliz Navidad and... All I want for Christmas is my two front teeth, teeth and a real good tan. Yeah. And, uh, you know, all that stuff that you just everybody's crazy. I, I, I do not really like the little drummer boy. Is that what it's called? <laughs> yeah. But I was at a gas station the other day, stopped to, to get gas, and they were playing the little drummer boy, and it was a, like, hard rock guitar version of little drummer boy. Oh my! It was absolutely awful, and I—I I mean, it was the whole time I'm pumping gas, this thing is playing, and uh, yeah, after times like that, you really need some pum pum. The best part about the little drummer boy, my wife showed me this the other day, and I've seen it before, but it's this meme that it says something to the effect of Mary, exhausted, having just gotten little baby <laughs> Jesus to sleep. I know what's coming, and this little boy <laughs> walks up and says, "You know what this girl needs." A drum solo. <laughs> <laughs> oh mercy! Music is such a, as we said, an important part. And this, you know, this year I found that the the hymn, the Christmas hymn, I'm being most drawn to is "Come Thou Long Expected Jesus." Last year we talked about "God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen" mm-hmm. on uh, one of our uh, Christmas time uh, podcasts. But this year I've really been focusing a lot on uh, "Come Thou Long Expected Jesus." Just two verses, but a powerful song. And uh, it's good to go back to that song for me every day to some measure, whether it's just to remember the lyrics or to read it. We've sang it in our home. We've sang it in church. and It's been really good. One of the common practices that I do during any part of the year is just trying to read good books that keep me close to the Lord or help me grow in my faith and my understanding. And uh, busy times can take that away too. Mm-hmm. But one of the ways I've countered that for probably the last three years at least, is to pick a Christmas-themed book to read during the Christmas season, during the Advent season. This year I've got two uh, that I'm reading, and uh, just doing that as a practice has been very helpful also. So, you know, there's ways to not give up your practices and incorporate them into your Christmas season, and I guess that's what we're saying. Now, the last thing I want to talk about is we've, we've got pace, prayer, the practices, and then presence, presence. You know, Paul says, think on these things, and in, 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 in later in the, uh, the passage there, verse 8 and 9, and he says, that which you have learned and received and heard and seen in me do. And what that reminds me of is Paul says he's indicating, he, he is, he's implying that they have been paying attention. And he's saying to them, what you've paid attention and what you've been observing, that put into practice. And that reminds me of the importance of being present to others during during our Christmas season. It's really hard to get that perfect Christmas. Yeah. We talked about that earlier. I don't know of anyone that's actually ever had the perfect Christmas. And, and then, we again, we get so stressed, we get so disappointed that things didn't go the way we wanted. But I believe this could help a lot with that. I believe if we will just practice being present it takes some of that pressure off of it. It doesn't have to be Norman Rockwell Christmas. It doesn't have to be 
you know, the white Christmas with everybody perfect and happy and everything just going exactly the way we hoped it would. But if we can just learn to be present with others during the, the gatherings, if we can just be maintain that presence with God and be present with our own soul, you know, that soul awareness goes a long way. I think it just takes the, the pressure off of that that sense of everything just has to go perfectly or it's not going to be a good Christmas. Because here's the thing about it. Your weird family members are going to show up. People are going to say annoying things. There will be moments of frustration. There will be times where you just want to give up. But just take the pressure off and focus on just being present to people. Does that does that make sense what I'm saying? Absolutely, because I feel like I'm really good about being physically present, but I'm not as good as I would like about being soulfully. Yeah, I started, yeah, I started to say emotionally present, but that that wasn't it. But soulfully, that that's it, because I can be there in body, but I can get annoyed very easily, and I'm the type that whenever I get annoyed, I won't necessarily come out and say you're driving me crazy, but I will I will let it fester, which will then kind of put me in kind of a negative mood. Mm. which impacts everybody, how much better would it be for me to say, hey, you know what? This person's going to get on my nerves. They're going to say something that's going to get get on my nerves because they have for the last 24 years of my life. You know, That's just what they do. You're not referencing any particular person. No, it's my brother. <laughs> but I, this is one thing I can say over the last couple of years. We're different people, mm-hmm. and that's okay. And, and our relationship has, has gotten much better because I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I drove him crazy, too. And I got on his nerves and stuff. When all else fails, I like the way Paul kind of wraps this up by just verse 12 and 13. When, when it gets a little overwhelming, just steal away for a little bit. Start over with the plan. And remember what he says in these verses. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. So, there you go. A seasonal sanity plan that I hope will be a help to you. Yes. I hope to be back with you on Christmas Eve Eve with a very special Christmas episode of The Code of Man. So you want to come back for uh, Jingle Bells, Royal Cherry Delights, Cocoa. I don't know what all we'll have. But hopefully Roland Napoleon will be back with us and we'll have a little uh, little, little festive time. It'll be a blast. So until then, this is Mike Overtrek Barnett saying, Yes, Virginia, there is a Santa Claus. And, <laughs> oh. <laughs> is that funny? Well, it just, it caught me off guard. Like, that's not what I was, I was, I was anticipating something else. But anyhow, and this is Corey Easy Target Cantrell saying, Santa! I know the heart of a champion There is a fire And the flames are controlled By burning desire To be the best you can be
champion.